Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Parish in Concord on this beautiful September day. I'm so glad that you have all joined us for church this morning. This is our in-gathering service, and we are starting the church year up, uh, as we usually do. We know that we are meeting under very unusual circumstances, but we've had about six months to get used to it. So we are excited to be going into this church year and to be going into it with all of you. No matter where you're joining us from, whether you're in or around Concord physically, or you are somewhere else around the United States or even around the world, we are glad that you have joined us this morning. We hope that this hour feeds your soul and helps you live your week better for having been with us. It certainly does that for each of us. I'm Reverend Howard Dana and I'm your senior minister and we'll Take a moment now to go around in gallery view and see who else is here. We heard a wonderful collection of preludes from Eric Heineke, our organist. Would you like to say hi to the folks, Eric? And Adrian Betancourt is here, our social action manager. Good morning, dear friends. I so love it when social action is on your minds and you reach out to me. And our dynamic duo in religious exploration, Amy Friedman is here, our Minister for Religious Education. Good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you. And Don Van Patten. Good morning, everyone. We have a ministerial intern this year, and we are so glad that Jade Sullivan has joined us. Say hi to the folks, Jade. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here again, week two. And Reverend Liz Weber is here, our Minister for Pastoral Care. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here. And Beth Norton, our Director of Music Ministry. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you and to see your names popping up in the chat. Um, I'm very happy this morning to be able to introduce you to our new Children's Choir Director, Brendan Ferrari. Many of you who went to the earlier service, the family service, got to meet Brendan there. I'm not going to ask him to tell us two truths and a lie now, but I recommend you watch the service if you haven't if you want to learn more about Brendan. Brendan, you want to say hi? Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm also so, so excited to be here. Um, definitely check out the two truths and a lie. <laughs> Welcome everybody and not to forget Lily Vanderzanden. She is doing tech today. Thank you, Lily. Say hi to the folks. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here. Welcome to church this morning. Let us worship together. One of the ways that I know that I am in my religious home is that at the beginning of the worship service, a chalice is, is lit. This happens in Unitarian Universalist congregations all over the country and indeed in other parts of the world. And so I invite you this morning, if you have a chalice in your home, that you light it with me and that we celebrate our coming together in this extraordinary time and in this extraordinary way. So please light your chalice with me and repeat the chalice lighting response together. O flame of our faith, open our hearts and fill our bodies and souls with persistent strength. Enliven our spirits and engage us deeply in this life of ours, this sacred essential moment now. And now our call to worship will be given today 
by the president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray. We have this video of Susan. So please welcome into worship with Susan's words. Greetings, Unitarian Universalists. I'm Susan Frederick Gray, president of your Unitarian Universalist Association. This is the season of ingathering, a time when we celebrate the beginning of another congregational year, another year of ministry, another year of holidays and holy days. Across our association, hundreds of congregations and tens of thousands of Unitarian Universalists mark this time with special celebrations, coming together to remember the life-saving, life-affirming value of our religious communities. We are living in heartbreaking, precarious times. There is so much grief to hold and so much injustice to withstand and resist. If you are struggling right now, feeling overwhelmed, anxious, or depressed, I can tell you, you are not alone. It's times like these when we most need to reach out for help to one another and in community. Times like these when we need practices and opportunities to remind us that we are not alone, to bring to the altar of life all that we hold in our hearts and to feel the support of beloved community, which is a continual source of courage and resilience. In-gathering celebrations are particularly important because they remind us of our fundamental connectedness. It's so easy to feel isolated and alone right now. It matters that we take time to just pause, to breathe and feel the ways that we are fundamentally linked to each other, even across this virtual space, how we are fundamentally linked to humanity and to this earth. Part of the lesson of this time is to live more fully into the interdependence that is at the heart of our values. Two things I've said from the beginning of my time as presidency are number one, this is no time for a casual faith and no time for a casual commitment to what you value most. And number two, this is no time to go it alone. And these words, this challenge, they continue to be true today. No matter the distance or how we gather, we are connected by unseen but real threads of care and intention, of the hopes we have for one another in this world. We are connected by our commitment to love and justice, and we are connected as Unitarian Universalists. There really is no script for this time, and yet our fundamental values haven't changed. We affirm the inherent worth and dignity of all people, and we will not let up in our work for justice. Our commitment to equity and compassion in all things, our willingness to learn and grow, our honoring of the interdependence of all creation, these values endure, and they guide our way always. I am so grateful for the ways that you are caring for one another and the well-being of your community. May you also make time to care for your own well-being, to nurture and tend to the goodness that is in you. 
And as we all celebrate this time of ingathering, may we feel the strength, the love, the connection and presence of our wider UU community. For it is holding you, it is holding me, it is holding all of us. Friends, I send you my love, my blessings. I pray for you and your loved ones and your community. Take good care of one another. Blessed be and amen. And now I invite all of you to join me and to join our First Parish Choir in Jim Scott's wonderful song of ingathering, Gather the Spirit. Good morning, everyone. Hi there. It's good to see everyone this morning. 
Hi, Dawn. Nice to see your face too. Uh, this, is, this is my absolute favorite season. I love the fall. When I lived in other parts of the country, I missed this particular season when the, the air turned slightly colder and we can start putting on sweaters and snuggle up underneath blankets. And although um, First Parish in Concord is open year round, this is also a special time of year for us. And sometimes we've called it homecoming and other times we've called it in-gathering. And even though parts of our community continues to meet and support each other all through the year, there is a certain excitement to this time of year when we are starting what we call the beginning of a new church year. If we were together at First Parish, in First Parish building, some of our kids would be changing rooms. Some of our little RE folks would be moving to kindergarten. Our first graders would be moving upstairs. Our fourth graders who are now fifth graders would be moving to the right tavern. And even though we aren't in the building, our kids are still growing up. All of you kids out there, even adults, we're all changing and growing and getting older. And we're doing religious exploration differently this year. Um, but we're still, we're still growing and changing. Yeah. And that is why our very first family service this morning um, was about um, starting a new and different year. And I want to let everyone know that if you missed it, it was at 930 was our live stream of it. But part of the, one of the benefits of this time is that there is a recording now that you can watch when you're available to watch it on Facebook or YouTube. And we also want to let you know, families, that you can subscribe to some resources because uh, Don and I and everyone at First Parish is thinking of you at this time and want to send you some support and some ideas to explore together at home. So every year, for the past five years at least, Amy and I have um, have given kids a, uh, a backpack blessing. So we've gathered together. Sometimes we make charms for backpacks, um, but everyone leaves with a blessing. And sometimes it's a scroll. Some kids like to tuck them in their backpacks. Some like to tape them to mirrors or, or put them in a place just to give them some, some inspiration and, and strength and the love of the community throughout the year. So this year we um, have done something a little bit different. Yeah, we, we knew we weren't, we weren't able to roll up those little scrolls uh, together this time. We didn't have a session when we were all together, but Dawn and I wanted to make sure that you knew we were thinking about you at this time when you are starting school. Some of you have already started, some of you are starting in the week ahead, and you have been on our minds and hearts. So we have sent postcards to all the families in our congregation. And if you haven't received it, hopefully you'll get it soon. Um, and this is what it says. Back to school blessing. As you begin the school year, may you have a healthy body and a peaceful mind. May you have energy for all that is different and new. May you share kindness with yourself and others and see kindness returned. May you feel close and connected in these times of physical distance. May you feel the love of our community each and every day. May you feel the love of our community each and every day. Indeed. Blessed be. 
And now join me in singing our, our blessing. Let us open our eyes to see what is beautiful. Let us open our minds to see what is true. Let us open our hearts to love one another. And may we walk in peace. Thank you, Amy and Don, for sending out those messages of support to all of the families. I wanted to let you know that uh, the folks who are leading worship and who are putting together the church year for you all this year, we have been busy as well. And we have been thinking about what we can offer in this year, uh, something that will give our worship together depth and will unify it and will also let us build on everything that we've been doing in the past few years. So we decided that this year we would like to do a Unitarian Universalist Roots Year. And Lily has a slide uh, that she's gonna put up and I'll just show you quickly what that means. We thought that because we're gonna be online so much this year, that it might be good to take a look at our theological and historical roots throughout the year. So as you can see on your screen, we are going to, we're talking about Unitarian Roots in September. Next month, we will move to our universalist roots. And so in both of these, we're looking at the two sides of our family that joined in 1961. And we're gonna go way, way back. And um, then in November, we're going to be talking about covenant, that thing that really holds us together and that thing that we have to tend all the time as a religious community. Then in December, we'll look at our Christian roots, January, our larger interfaith roots, humanist roots in February, and then we get to a couple of months when we are looking particularly at First Parish in Concord. In March, we will explore the Puritan roots of First Parish in Concord, and then the Transcendentalist roots of First Parish in Concord. In May and June, we're going to go on and take a look at what First Parish has done in the 20th century, and then what it can do in the 21st century. So we are glad that you're here. Join us every Sunday to learn about all of these different routes that we have. And there will be educational opportunities alongside the Sunday morning services. And we hope that you're really engaged this year and learn and grow in your own spirituality as well. Thanks for joining us. And now Jade has our reading for the morning. Thank you, Howard. Uh, I am really excited about today's reading because it is a poem by uh, Jalaluddin Rumi, who was a Persian Sufi mystic who lived from the year 1207 to 1273. Um, and I have uh, a history of writing poetry myself, and sometimes I would think, oh, why even write poetry? Because Rumi already wrote everything worth writing. So I'm so excited to share this with you today. This is a poem called The Guest House, uh, and this was translated by Coleman Barks. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, 
a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from the beyond. Thank you, Jade. That's one of my favorite poems as well. And I got to choose it. It was nice to hear you say it. I want to tell you about an amazing place that's a small part of a really amazing place. That really amazing place is Yellowstone National Park. And growing up in Montana, on a few occasions, I would be, have, I would be able to go with my family and visit Yellowstone National Park. And there's just a tiny little sliver, most of Yellowstone is in Wyoming, but there's a tiny little sliver of Yellowstone that's actually inside the state of Montana. And that little sliver has in it something called the Boiling River. Now, I have not been to the Boiling River for many, many years, but the times that I would go there, it was probably three or four times, each time was quite memorable. So it was about a two hour drive from my college town to the Boiling River. And so usually on a summer's day, I would load up the car with a couple of friends and we'd take a cooler and you'd take your swim trunks and drive down to Gardner, Montana. And along the highway, uh, there was no signs really in those days. I think I've seen pictures of it now and it's, it's got a parking lot and things like that. In those days, there was no parking lot. You just had to kind of know where it was and you would park your car on the blacktop and leave it and then find the path and make your way down to the edge of the river. And when you would get to the river, what you would see would be what looked like an ordinary river in Montana, but from one part of it, there would be steam coming out. And as you got closer, you would usually see that there were people swimming in the river. Now, Lily has a picture of the Boiling River that she's gonna put up while I kind of tell you how this works. So the Boiling River is a cold river. There is not a single river in Montana that even in the height of summertime is warm, but you swim in them anyway because it's so delicious. So this boiling river is mostly really cold. And so you can see there on your screen that the people are kind of huddled over to the left-hand side, and that's where the steam is coming out. What happens here, and it's the only place that it happens on the river, is that a geyser comes out of the bank of the river at this point and flows into the river. Now, the water is cold enough to make you not want to swim very long, in the river, but what's coming out from the geyser is actually scalding hot and would burn you if you went into it. So the trick with the boiling river is that you have to position your body so that you're partly in the cold water and partly in the hot water. And it's this interesting sensation because you can feel the waters mix and swirl 
as you swim there. Thanks for showing us that, Lily. The trick is to not get too close to the hot water and to not stray too far out into the cold water and to kind of enjoy the sensation of being both warm and cold at the same time. We humans are experiencing a global trauma right now. We are currently all together in a boiling river. We're experiencing a pandemic that has shown the cracks in our society and in our global community. We're living in a time when the world seems both hot and cold at the same time. It's too hot, there are wildfires in the West. There's a camp on Lesbos that burned. There was a fire at the port in Beirut. There are things exploding and coming apart and things that are too hot to handle everywhere we look. In Portland, in Belarus, around the world, it feels like this is a very, very hot time. Too hot to swim in, too hot to stand, scalding in fact. This is also a time that is cold, cold as ice, a time of isolation, a time of nationalism that pits us against one another, a time of people being certain about what they think and what they should do, a time when those who have left, have less, are shut out into the cold, a time when we seem like we just want to regroup and pull in and be selfish. So as a world and as a nation, we are swimming in this boiling river. And just like the real boiling river near Gardner, Montana, the only thing to do, the only thing to do is to keep moving from side to side to feel where the current is flowing and to adjust our bodies likewise. And what this means is that there are some times we're gonna to need to protect ourselves. We're gonna to need to be in our homes or with our families or with our friends. We're gonna to need to move to where the water is cooler because life has gotten too hot for us. But we don't stay there. There are other times when we're gonna be drawn back over closer to where it's hot, maybe even hotter than we think we can stand. Places where we know that we can join in the action, where we can stand the politics of this moment, where we can be in solidarity with people of color and with the oppressed all over the world. And so those are the times to go toward the geyser, to go toward the hot water and to see what it's like there. But altogether, this is not an individualistic thing either. Part of community, and it's funny, you see this at the Boiling River when you swim there. There are folks that are, have already figured out how to do this. And so the newcomers, once you step into that river, you don't quite know what you're stepping into. Is it gonna be really cold or is it going to be really hot? But all you have to do is watch the people that are already there because they figured out where to position their body so that they're not being burned and not being frozen either. We are in this together and we will need to stick together if we are going to move back and forth. All of this talk of water 
and of ingathering brought to mind the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda is an ancient pool that was in the city of Jerusalem. Actually, it was technically just outside the city walls. And Lily has a picture here of what scholars think it looked like, this pool of Bethesda. As you can see in the picture, it wasn't a natural pool like the boiling river. It was built up. It's more of a spa-like structure with a portico around it. And there was an upper pool and a lower pool. And then you can see the ancient walls of Jerusalem behind it and the gate that leads into them. That was known as the Sheep's Gate. The Pool of Bethesda was important for a whole lot of reasons. And there's plenty of archeological evidence to suggest that it existed and it looked like this. One of the main things it was important for was it was the main source of water for the temple inside of the city walls. So the temple wouldn't have had water without this spring and without these pools. It was also known as a healing place. And so people would leave the city walls. If you were ill or if you were really suffering, you would have to leave the city walls. You would go out of the sanctity of those city walls and you would come to this pool to be healed. And so one side of this, it looks really nice in this picture, but it was a little bit of a dodgy place because there were lots of folks there who were suffering from a whole variety of ailments. And as we know in these times when we are surrounded by COVID-19, there's often a lot of suspicion and danger when we're mixed in with folks who are not feeling well. And so it was some of the poorest and some of the sickest in society that would come to the Pool of Bethesda. It's famous in the Gospel of John as being a place where Jesus healed a man, and that caused quite the stir because he did it on the Sabbath. But the interesting thing I want to tell you about is the legend of the angel of the Pool of Bethesda. Thank you, Lily, for showing us that. The legend tells us that the angel would come down occasionally to this pool, and the angel would stir up the water and make it foam and make it troubled. The angel would come and trouble the water at the Pool of Bethesda. And the legend was that if you could enter into the pool after the angel had troubled it, that you would be healed from your ailment, whatever it was. But it was only when the water was troubled that it was, had this potent healing property. And we are all sitting around the pool of Bethesda right now. And let me tell you, the water is troubled. The water is roiling. And what are we invited to do? We are invited to get into that water and to be healed. Let us not be afraid of these times. Let us have courage enough to bring ourselves to the pool. Let us be patient enough for the, and wait for the angel to trouble the waters. And when the moment comes, the right time to be healed and the right time to heal others and our earth, let us step boldly into that pool with faith that it will do us good and that we will emerge transformed and well.
Thank you for joining us for this in-gathering service. We as a congregation are on an amazing trip this year. I'm glad to be swimming with you. Amen. We have a chance now to offer some blessings to our congregation. If you have a blessing that you would like to give us, I invite you to enter it into the chat right now. A slide will come up that says, what blessing do you have for our church and our congregation this year? Type a blessing into the chat and then, and then I will read a few of those. take a couple of minutes and see what you wrote. These are blessings for our congregation and our church this year. The blessing of good health. Support and comfort each other. May we grow even more connected. Continued connection and community that we all thrive one day at a time. Virtual hugs, rediscovering simple pleasures. May we hold steady. Kindness. May our being spread out just to make us larger and stronger. Blessings of openness and non-attachment, love and support as we swim with courage. May we thrive and support each other, patience and loving strength, resilience. The blessing of the awareness of each moment to hold on to what is good May we hold on to our, spirit, to our spirit of congregation, even when we cannot congregate. May we help heal each other. Blessings of flexibility, optimism, and love. The blessings of strength, courage, and perseverance. May all continue to find connection, inspiration, and passion together for the work ahead. There are so many other blessings. I invite you to read them when you have a chance in the chat. And now enjoy this special treat of some music and some images.
friends, do not leave your cares at the door. As our UUA president, Susan Frederick Gray, says, if you are struggling right now, you are not alone. Bring to the altar of life all that we hold in our hearts and feel the support of community. This is no time to go it alone. Each week, we lift up the struggles and the joys that you have shared in community. And this week, I have good news to share about Ava Todor. We learned last week that Ava had COVID. She is the music director at our partner church in Sekikarister, Transylvania. She is already out of the hospital, already home and symptom-free. Ava and her husband, the Reverend Chaba Todor, and the kids continue to be well. So today, I'm so glad to just be able to give thanks for that. And I hope that all of us can be in as good of health as possible and that Ava's recovery can give hope to those of us who need that in the days of this pandemic. I know that we have both joys and sorrows in our community. I know that there are people you are holding in your heart who are at the peaks of life and the valleys of life. And so I invite you to call their names aloud or to type their names now into the chat, those who you are holding in your heart. And we will hold them together. And let us sing. blessings that we have offered each other, those that we've offered this morning, and for the ways that we will uphold each other in the year ahead. 
God, when the world is both hot and cold at the same time, it can feel hard to find our way. When we are grieving for ourselves or our loved ones, when we face an uncertain prognosis, when we don't know what will come of our illness, or we know and need to find acceptance. When those in our community and those around our country and those around our world are facing the boiling waters of COVID, of fires and climate crisis, of police brutality and the struggle for racial justice, of fear and hope for democracy, both within our nation and in others. When we are overwhelmed, may we stop and look around. May we take stock of the water around us, able to notice its temperature, able to not just react, but respond with some wisdom. This wisdom to follow the currents facing the boiling and the roiling and the troubled water head on. Let us dive in and swim in the paths that others have already forged. We can see them just ahead of us. And we know that when we swim, we will mark that path for those who are just behind us. Let us remember that we are all in this together and we can stick together. May we open ourselves to healing, to transformation, and to love overflowing until these waters become waters of peace and justice. Let us sit together in this sense of possibility.
for our first Share the Plate guest speaker of our new fiscal year and continuing our UU the Vote election action opportunities, I would like to introduce Horace Small. Horace is the founder and executive director of the Union of Minority Neighborhoods, which runs the Black Ballot Power Project. Thank you so much, Horace, for coming to visit with us today. Good morning, church. My name is Horace Small, and I am, as, as Adrian said, I'm the executive director of the Union of Minority Neighborhoods. We are a 20-year-old, this is our 20th year, a 20-year-old civil rights and social justice organization based out of Boston. Uh, our major focus is in the training and development of making sure that democracy works in communities, particularly in communities of color. To that end, uh, we have trained over a thousand people in the skills of community organizing and planning. Many of the organizers that you see uh, working on issues have come from our shop. Um, we have congruent with the organizing as our activism. So we have won issues with the help of First Church, um, such as Corey reform, uh, working to keep the Ben Franklin Institute open. There's a, just a wide variety of issues. And the biggest probably the biggest thing we're working on statewide right now is to make sure that we have a fair and humane state budget that doesn't get balanced on the backs of poor and working people in light of the fact that there's an $11 billion budget deficit in, in the state. Um, Black Ballot Power is a national project of ours, which is chaired and, and supported by civil rights icon Harry Belafonte, uh, actors Tony Shalhoub and uh, director Rob Reiner, um, and a number of other uh, folks from around the country who, where we are working to ensure that in this year, for the last year, we have been working to make sure that every African-American who is 18 years of age or older votes as if, in the words of John Lewis, as if their life depends on it because it does. In this, the 55th anniversary, this year, the 55th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act, which our brother Harry Belafonte had so much to do in the passage of that. It is, we have the honor, the distinct honor as a community to be the ones who will be the ones deciding on who the next president of the United States is going to be. To that end, we are working overtime. We are calling upon our community to not mail in voting because they've already gave us six weeks notice that the post office doesn't work. We're encouraging people to go to polls because we want our votes to count. We're also preparing for the voter suppression strategies, which we have seen in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. They are real, and um, we don't understand it because we're citizens of this country. But we are working to make sure, we're going to make sure we have comedians at polling places. We want this experience voting to be as pleasant and as wonderful and as, and as direct as possible. Bringing in music students from Curtis Institute in Philadelphia, uh, Berkeley School of Music to, to entertain people while they're there, to make sure we have snacks and chairs for people if we have to stand in line for hours. We are going to do our part in saving our democracy or saving this experiment, this American experiment of democracy. Um, we are excited about our work. 
We are committed to this work, as committed as First Parish. And we have had the pleasure of working with First Parish over the years on many, many issues. And we are grateful to First Parish for their leadership, their guidance, their support, their financial help over the years. We look forward to continuing this relationship again. We look forward to you joining us on election day and making sure that on November 3rd, we return our country back to some semblance of sanity. And more importantly, to real, to make sure that people across America understand and receive are treated decently and receive simple human justice. I can't thank you enough for your help. I can't thank you enough for this time that you've given me. Uh, I look forward to continuing this relationship with you. And I look forward to seeing you at the polls on November 3rd. You need to vote like, like nobody else's business because it is that important. Thank you. Okay, so now is your turn to support the good work of Black Ballot Power and the work of our church. Please see the information for donating by text if that's what you'd like to do right now, today. And you can also use the firstparish.org website donation page, or you can use the postal mail to mail in checks to our church building. The offering will now be gratefully received.
All right, sorry we had a little bit of trouble with Eric's um, music there. It was a lovely piece. It was just uh, too low to really hear very well. So um, thank you, Eric, and uh, sorry for the little bit of a glitch. As we begin to close our service, uh, there's a lot going on. So let me just go through this pretty quickly. Um, if you're interested, there are two offerings after the service. If you'd like to go to the worship sharing circle, um, there'll be a link for that in the chat. That's an opportunity to talk about the themes of the day um, with some facilitators and that will end by 11.30. And we have with us here this morning, Jeff Brainerd. He is from the standing committee and he'll tell you a little bit more about the online coffee hour. Thank you, Howard. Um, hello, everyone. And on behalf of the standing committee, I want to welcome you to the service this morning. We, we really miss seeing all of you in person, uh, which is really you know, why we're doing our Zoom coffee hour. It happens right after the service and the link will be put into the chat window. Um, it's a great way to connect with folks you may know uh, and also folks you may not know. We've, we've really kind of been experimenting with it throughout the summer and we want to continue that exploration this fall. We'd love to have you as part of that. The idea is that after folks kind of come into the main, the main room, you'll be put into a smaller group that is uh, kind of a more manageable group size for conversation. And we also really want to know what works or doesn't work well for you. So um, your feedback is always welcome. So um, really hope to see you there today. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And they assure me that that too will finish by 11.30. So um, go to that if you'd like. Uh, please pay attention to the First Parish website and FP Weekly. There's lots of information in that. We have exciting news this week. We are actually going to be opening the First Parish Meeting House and Grounds some. So this is very good news. So on, from Tuesday through Friday, the church office will be open from 11 o'clock in the morning until two o'clock p.m. if you need to come by the church for something. The sanctuary is also going to be open those same hours if you'd like to come and just sit in individual prayer and meditation. We're gonna be requiring masks whenever you're in the building. And the other good news is that we are opening up the meeting house grounds for folks to gather in groups up to 25. Uh, all of the details and the guidelines will be posted in FP Weekly, but we are just really glad to be able to ease restrictions just a little bit um, for the, the natural work of the church that needs to happen. There are learning opportunities. They're going to start in October. Jade and I are both offering classes. Jade's doing one on spiritual writing, and I'm going to do a nice long one on the, on the Bible as ancient story. So check your FP weekly for that. As Amy said, you can see our family worship service uh, on the YouTube or the Facebook uh, channels. Check that out. And this afternoon, Concord residents are urged to attend town meeting. First Parish is slated to receive $75,000 to help refurbish our steeple. This is not likely to be controversial, but you know how meetings go. It's always good to be there anyway. The vote will likely take place between 1.30 and 2 o'clock this afternoon. And if you have questions, see Holly Kratzley for more details. And the last little thing is that this Tuesday, September 15th, marks six months since COVID was declared a pandemic and since First Parish went online. 
Reverend Liz Weber and Beth Norton are hosting a special worship service that evening called Entering Autumn, Holding On and Letting Go to honor this milestone. Liz and Beth will lead us in, a, in time to mark the losses and the newfound strength that have been part of our lives during this season of COVID-19. We will especially remember those who have died from our first parish community. So join us for that on Tuesday evening. The link will be in your FP weekly. Now let us join in our closing song. We've been imagining the ways that we might be guided through the, the roiling river of this time. And Sally Rogers in this next song gives us an answer. Love will guide us. Please sing with me. We'll repeat the first verse at the end. Love will guide us. Peace has tried us. Hope inside us will lead the way on the road from grief to giving. Love will guide us through the hard night. If you cannot In fact, it is love that sends us to the edge of that pool. It is love that comes down in the form of an angel and troubles the water. It is love that allows us to float and be free, to heal and be healed. Let us join now in the first parish benediction saying, go out into the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all beings. Oh,